1: Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept
0: PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here Here we go.
1: go. Hello, Jay. Hello, Sophie. And we are coming to you, our beautiful listeners, with With an extra bonus episode this week. This week's is a little bit different. We actually share two... Different ladies' personal experiences with endometriosis. You know, it's a condition that affects so many women and Jade and I couldn't speak about it personally, so Mm -hmm. we thought why not bring in two. Not one, but two. Yeah, two for the price of none (laughs) um, just for you to share their stories, diagnosis, symptoms, treatment. No, I absolutely loved listening to these two ladies
0: and their experiences with endo because I think a. lot of women who will be listening to this episode will hopefully resonate and if not they will get something out of this and
1: understand what women actually do go through on a day-to-day basis. I quite liked how much overlap there was in terms of similarities Mm. but then also how different other parts of their stories were. were and that kind of thing as well so we hope you guys enjoy uh yeah that's it. Hello, Meg. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Are you able to tell our beautiful listeners who you are and what you're here to talk about?
2: Hey, everyone. As Soph said, my name is Meg. I am a beauty therapist living in Byron Bay. And I've come on here today to talk about endometriosis. It's something that I'm super passionate about. I've struggled with it for a really long time. And yeah. And I'm not going to pretend that I don't know who
1: this girl
0: is. (laughs) She is the queen that literally does my face. She's the reason you look 12. She is well, the no, reason. No.
1: A little bit Botox. but also.
0: I've got a bit of Botox, a bit of genetics and a little <laughs> bit of Meg that really gets my face going well. So yes, welcome Meg. Thank you so much for coming on. To get started, do you ever remember getting your first period?
2: Yes, I do. I was, I'm pretty sure I was in grade five or six. So I think about 11 years old. Bit of a funny story. I think everyone's got a funny story with their period and I feel like there should totally be a platform for this because it would be a great book. Maybe we can do a bonus (laughs) episode of funny first period or like getting, starting Mm. off your period. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I was 11, I had no pain or anything. I was just really confused as to why there was this weird color in my undies. Um, Went to my mom. I was like, mom, something's not right. What's going on? You know, dacked myself in front of my mom and (laughs) she was like, Oh my God, Megan, you didn't tell me you had hair down there. You're like I was coming to you about something else,
1: but fuck,
2: <laughs> is that wrong too? I was mortified. I'm like, am I not allowed? <laughs> Do I have to tell you about every single hair that grows on my body now? I'm confused. But can I say how <laughs> fucked
1: is that that you got to 11? Like, lucky you, obviously had a comfortable relationship to your mum that you could be like, so ah, lucky. this weird shit's coming out of my vagina. Yes, um, but like, how bad that you got to getting your period <laughs> without knowing what a period that was? Is so common though. Like, mm-hmm. how Still many of today? us?
0: Yeah, I think so well maybe not like if you are a daughter of mine I think you're pretty cl- what's this tampon doing on the floor oh yeah that, that's gonna yell at me again yeah. <laughs> but um no I think that it was very common back you know when we were growing up like I didn't really ask about I had your... no
1: idea what to do with no, a tampon no. when you were done with I it, it. I, I had two I holes. flushed tampons Yes. We've got more than two holes. No, uh,
0: in our vagina. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got?
1: I've got 73. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I Nick flushed tampons though. for years. That's mm. cool. I Because I, w- I, I was just like, That's I don't what know, you do. w- where else do you
2: put this? Like, I'm not putting it in my pocket. Yeah. yeah. No way. I know, it's crazy. So, yeah, I just remember going back to school the next day and. Going to the bathroom like every 15 minutes Panicking. to half an hour, thinking, like, Have I bled out? Is everything okay? Like, no one tells you anything about a period. It's like, Who do you go to? I, you know, you go to your mum, but you know, sometimes that's it's a little so bit uncomfortable. dependent on the relationship. Yeah, as yeah, well. and yeah. And did you
0: have a user pad?
2: Used a pad. So yeah. I felt like I had a nappy on while I was at school with a dress on. I was like, Sticking to yeah. my leg, I can hear it when I'm getting up oh, and down. Know. You know, so it's scrunching as
0: I'm walking. And you're wearing a dress. I remember this one girl in year seven, she had Vaseline, a massive tub of it in her front pocket. And then she would have a tampon, and I was just blown away. Do you know this is really embarrassing? I didn't know we had more than a pee hole. But <laughs> what was the Vaseline for? I'll to tell you in a second. It. Until I was 15 luckily because then I was like okay I'm understanding what all this business mm. is but she had it for like easing in the tampon but then does the tampon absorb that like does no, that I create think she like puts a it protective barrier on, I think she puts it on her labia I don't know if a just big. to slide <laughs> it in just just to help slide it in oh, <laughs> interesting yeah she didn't put on the cloth of the tampon yeah so <laughs>
1: that would have been a bit you know, like it, a lubricant yeah. In.
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah so when did you said you know, you first got it, you're a bit like, oh, what's this? When they first start, they're just kind of light, aren't they?
0: Yeah. Like your first I mean, one's not like from a
1: quote-unquote normal one, is no. it? No.
0: My first no. one was like a murder scene. Oh, I looked really? down. I went to the toilet, looked down, and I was like, <gasps> and oh, and ran out. And I was like, Mom! I'm
1: dying. I just remember being so stoked because I was about 15 and mm. I felt like I was such a small, like, barely looked like i'd been through puberty mm. like late to grow hair late everything yeah. and so i remember being so stoked because i was like oh my god my friends have had it for for years yes. and i so i feel like the advantage of that was i guess i kind of knew about mm. a lot of stuff already but when did they start to be problematic for you?
2: From what I can really remember, it was when I started high school, which probably would have been year seven and eight, it's a bit of a blur. because it was a long time ago. But when I turned 16, I just sort of remember, you know, I was having days off every month for a period pain. I would pass out in the shower. That was my signature move. As soon as (laughs) I get in the shower, done, I'm out. I'd have to like, I'd crawl out and have to lay on the floor. I'd be so dizzy. I'd be vomiting. I'd be passing out next to the toilet. Just horrendous. I'd be white. I'd look like a ghost when I got my period. I was just so washed out. So yeah, I mean, from then on I had heaps of issues, classic, go to the doctor. They put you on the pill and I was on the pill for multiple years. I can't remember how long now, probably until I was 19 or 20, but I was still so sick on the pill as well. I was getting pain. I was getting PMS. I was getting thrush every month. My body was just rejecting all forms of Western Medicine, which was really tough because I had no other route.
1: And was it ever explained to you like this is outside the normal? Like,
0: what is to the people that are listening and actually don't know what is endometriosis?
2: So, um, on a science term, it's a chronic inflammatory condition in which cells that are similar to the lining of the uterus grow outside of this layer and result in pain. So, the way I sort of see that is it's a bit more of an internal bleed. And your period cell attaches itself onto certain areas that aren't, you know, normal. And how do you know you have it? You don't really until you get a laparoscopy for surgery. So as a young 16 year old girl, that wasn't ever really explained to me. My period pain was said to be normal from everyone that I'd ever spoken to. And as I got older, I just kept on asking why, why is this happening? This isn't normal. I shouldn't have to have days off school or work every month. So yeah, it's not fun.
1: So you'd like been put on the pill, but yeah. you were still getting symptoms. Like how did you get to a diagnosis? Okay.
2: My pain was so bad that I, you know, mum was taking me to acupuncture appointments and it was really the only thing that would help, but I was bleeding all the time with acupuncture because it was moving that stagnated blood through and then it got to the point where finally went to a gynecologist and he was like, yep, let's do a laparoscopy. We need to explore this and see what's going on. And yeah, that's where I ended up. And I also, you know, was sleeping with this guy. We weren't together for very long. We weren't seeing each other for like a long time, but we had just had sex. And straight after I was crippled in pain. I was in fetal position, couldn't talk, couldn't breathe. And he was just so confused as to what had just happened, and he was, didn't know what to do. And then the pain just stopped. Like it just stopped. I felt dead mad. I don't know what had just happened. Went to the doctors the next day, did an internal ultrasound, which is also just you lose all of your dignity for it's yeah. the most horrific well, for me personally I've found it quite horrific the first time I'd ever had one
0: because what do they do they put like a big probe yeah. with a condom it looks like on. Yeah. a giant dildo literally and I guess like- if you've
1: just gone through the experience of like having sex <laughs> and exactly. being that painful and then like a fake dick looking thing is literally. coming towards you I remember the first time my husband saw one of them he was jealous at- <laughs> no. No, the thing that's fucked is I was it was actually when I was going through a miscarriage oh. and I had to go in to get an internal <clears throat> to see if like maybe they could see the heartbeat on the internal. And there was there was a trainee sonographer, like ultrasound person, and then the person who was already trained in it. And both of these people were trying to get this condom on <laughs> this probe and, oh like, he obviously knows that, like, at the top of the, the condom, like, the bubble stays there yes. because, like, that catches the sperm. Yeah. I didn't know But that. they're both stroking this (laughs) giant dildo thing trying to get rid of the bubble and he's sitting there pulling on his eyebrows in the corner so that he doesn't laugh because he's like my fucking wife is going through a miscarriage these people are going to think that I'm psychotic yeah So he was just like, could that not have come with a warning? Like I know you're going through shit, but I just didn't expect these two women to
2: like pull out this arm long like (laughs) dildo and start stroking a condom on top of it. I know, it's horrific. You just don't really know what to expect. And first time I had one was post having, from what I found out later, a burst cyst on my ovary. You know, it was this man, I was in a dark room. It was just horrific okay and he's putting this condom on like you know squeezing the lube all over it and he holds it up and he's like do you want to insert it or do you want me to no and I just looked at him and I thought what am I gonna do (laughs) sit here and look you in the eyes I insert this probe into my vagina yeah (laughs) I'm like you can do it buddy oh my (laughs) god I'm not doing it it was so bad and it was so painful as well because I had so much fluid from the cyst bursting on my ovary and so that's what everywhere. happened after
1: sex yeah is, <gasps> and, and like up. just coincidental just or coincidental they, think, yeah. they
2: were like oh sometimes it can happen they were just like oh it's quite common you know classic you know not to worry it's all good but fuck it hurt like yeah. I was in so much pain and that was like alarm bells for me to sort of start exploring this more mm-hmm. and that's when I started um looking into getting a proper gynecologist yeah right to help me out
1: And then so you went and saw the gynecologist and you got a laparoscopy, which for anyone who doesn't know, that's like what they sometimes call keyhole surgery or whatever they go in with a camera. And what did they see when they went in?
2: Well, it's really funny because after my surgery, look, this gyno didn't have a lot of amazing bedside manner. He was quite dismissive of my questions and he came in post my surgery and was like, yep, found a little bit of endometriosis. It's in there, got rid of it, all good. I'll see you in six weeks for your follow-up appointment and I was so out of it. I was like, oh, "Okay, yep, yeah, cool. What? What does that even mean? What do I? What do so I do now?" You had no
0: idea what that no, was. No, no. Have I, you ever heard of it
2: before? I had because my mum has it. However, right. they say that endometriosis isn't hereditary, but I don't know. Who knows? The study yeah. changes all the time. But mum had it, and um, I knew a little bit about it. Just for me, it was like a painful period, but. You know, later on in life, I was like, painful periods just are not normal. I cannot stress that enough. Yeah. They are not normal. It's your body sending you a message that something's not right. 100%. So, yeah, I had heard of it. Anyway, I went to my six week follow up and he'd actually taken a photo of what endometriosis looks like on your insides. And it almost looks like gunpowder, just like sporadically spread all over certain areas of, you know, where it is, which looking at that, it was quite confronting because i thought well how do you get it off what do you do and as far as i know there's two ways to get it off there's ablation yeah and there's I can't remember excision the name, an excision something. yeah and i think ablation is a bit more it's not as effective because it's just burning it off it's not actually removing anything but the excision they cut it out which is a lot longer for your recovery So first one I had, I don't think he did excision. The second laparoscopy I had, my recovery was fucked. There was a lot in there. I was meant to only be in there for an hour and my surgery went for three. Right. Mm.
0: And where was it? Like did did they tell you where it is in your – because I've heard stories of it being like up in – like lungs and Mm. your stomach and Mm -hmm. for me like when I think endometriosis and period pain I just assume it's all in our female reproductive yeah but it's it's not is it
2: no well um my second specialist who I he's my he's my boy I love that guy (laughs) he's awesome he was just so much better than the first specialist I'd seen and he really went into detail for it and he actually specialized in it and he said to me that to one of his patients has endometriosis in her lungs and that time of the month she will cough up blood. No. Yeah, so it's crazy. And then there was another one of his patients who has it in her belly button and when she gets her period, a little bit of blood will come out of her belly button. <gasps> no. So, that is my
1: worst fear. I'm so scared of I anyone know. touching or anything going near my belly button. That um, gives me, honestly, yeah, the heebie
2: It's Yeah, and you know, this study, like I don't have my finger on the pulse with endometriosis research anymore because it's really triggering that it's constantly changing. They've got no idea what causes it. They honestly should just classify it as like an autoimmune disease now because it's just Mm. relentless. I just feel like, you know, and that's me being a little bit dark about it because I'm so fed up of Having this disease control my body. I don't control my body, the disease does. And it's affected so much in my life.
1: And so, after your first operation, were you like pain free for a while? Like, how did you feel? And then, what led you, like, how long Mm. was it before you then had to have another operation?
2: Um, Well, my first op was in 2015. I was 21. My second laparoscopy was in May 2018. So it was a little while between surgeries and I definitely wasn't pain free. I was still struggling, but I was managing with other things like acupuncture, which was the one thing that only ever really helped me. And I was doing also like liver detoxes because I'd done a little bit of research into, you know, the human body. I was reading books. There was one book that really changed me. It was the Women's Wellness Wisdom by Dr. Libby Weaver. I think her name is fact checked me on that. (laughs) And she talks about, she's a biochemist and she actually talks about, you know, how your liver detoxifies all of our hormones. And when you're having liver loaders like alcohol and coffee, your liver sees that as a priority to detoxify. So that's the first thing that goes through your liver to, it wants to get it out of there straight away. It's like a red flag, get it out. So your hormones become you know, on the back burner, your liver recognizes those as familiar. They can wait. They'll be there when I'm done with this, which can create toxic forms of estrogen in your body from what I've read. And that can create inflammation. So every time I would go out and have a big night, my hangover wasn't just your headache in the morning. It was my whole body. I would look six months pregnant. My stomach would ache. My head would ache everything would just be like flare fucked. everything yeah everything yeah. was just flared exactly and it was just not worth it for me to go out and drink anymore yeah. so for a young you know 24 21 year old it really affected my social life because people in Australia genuinely get offended <laughs> yeah. when you're not drinking with them yeah. at an event. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it was hard for me to stand Because it triggers those other people as well. Exactly. They're like, "Why? Yeah. yeah, what do you mean? Yeah. Why aren't you drinking?" And it was hard for me to sort of stand there at a party and be like, "I've got endometriosis and this is what it does." And they're like, "Endo what?" You're yeah, yeah. like, "My
1: hangover will be so bad tomorrow." And they're like, "Yeah, all our hangovers are going to be bad tomorrow. It's tomorrow like half no. fun." And it's were, like... "Were your symptoms mainly like cyclical when you were menstruating or was it Just any old time.
2: Any old time. Um, And I found that the more stressed I was, like, the worse it was.
1: Mm,
0: Great. Um,
2: Yeah, so, you know, stress management, oh, my God, I just, like, It's a can of worms. Like, how long have we got? As long as you want. We're here to listen to you. (laughs) You're being heard. Oh, God, it's crazy. And it must feel difficult to be
0: heard because many people assume that endo is like having, in quotations, really bad period pain. Mm. What are your thoughts on when people say that and you are constantly suffering?
2: The hardest one is, oh, you don't look sick. Mm. That's the hard part. The period pain is if that's how you want to know, that that's what endometriosis is sure but double it to your period pain mm. because this is like I think I have one week in my cycle where I feel normal
1: wow that week after your period
2: yeah the week yeah. after my period I'm like I'm not you know holding any water in my body I feel good I'm happy and then ovulation comes around and like the bloating begins I've got pain on either side of which side I'm ovulating on. I'm exhausted. The fatigue from the pain. Like the fatigue you get from being in pain is a whole nother thing. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard, especially like I work in, you know, I'm I've got to show up for clients every day. Yeah. And it's really hard if I want to call in sick because you have this guilt. You're like, oh, it's just period pain. It'll yeah. pass. You know, it's just a day. I could probably get through the day. But if I push myself too hard, I'm fucked for the next week because I'm exhausted. So I just think for women out there, you just really have to listen to your body. I can't stress that enough. Like I've had to drop down, you know, to four days of work because it's just been too hard with my fatigue for everything going on in my body. And, you know, I'm 28.
0: I'm just so sorry that all these women that have suffered and most probably don't even know unless they've had a, what is it, a laparoscopy, Mm. that you don't even know what you're sitting in. And I guess people just assume that period pain, even that in itself, we should just deal with because Mm. we get it once a month. But like yourself and these women are suffering round the clock and it's oh, we don't know the answer and we don't know the cure and you don't have any other option other than to get on with it.
2: Exactly. That's the, the shit part. You just have to keep on going. Or have a baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's and that the thing. stops it for like, like yeah. maybe nine months. Yeah. But I've had three surgeries now. They won't touch me again, but it's, I call or it Because there's too much scar tissue there. So I call it Voldemort. <laughs> because I've just had the most stressful probably six months and it's come back. It's definitely back. So I'm like, Voldemort's back. Great. Uh, You know, we're back here. And before
1: you got the third one, were you going into that being like, like it's almost like you're giving your like final card and it's like use it wisely. Like Ooh. did you go into that operation knowing, okay, if I choose to do this now, like this is the last one I get?
2: Well, to be fair, I had no choice. I had what is called an endometrioma cyst mm-hmm. in my ovary. Is that like ovary. the chocolate cyst? It's the chocolate yeah. cyst. It sounds yum, but it's not. not it's old yeah. blood. It's gross. Oh. So it's in, it's got blood flow. It's not just like your normal cyst. It's a little bit fluidy. I went through a really stressful breakup Mm -hmm. and six months post that I remember I was just having, I could feel something on my left side. I was like, something is not right. Like Um, a bulge? Yeah, I could feel it, but you couldn't see it. I could just feel like this heaviness on my left side. And I went and got an internal ultrasound in the middle of my work day. And this beautiful lady who did my ultrasound, she was so onto it. She was straight away moved the probe over to the left side and I fucking screamed. I was in agony. She was like, Oh yep, Okay. We've hit a spot, took some measurements and they're not supposed to really tell you any of this stuff at internal ultrasounds until they've done the proper assessments and stuff. But she was like, look, from my experience, I can see that there's a pretty big cyst on your left ovary or in your left ovary. And you're going to need surgery like quite quickly. And Yeah, so anyway, got the results back. And I remember walking into work and this beautiful girl that I used to work with, La, who you've actually Uh, interviewed with before, I just walked in and I was just a mess. I just ran into her arms and I started bawling my eyes out because I was like, not again. This is so relentless. Like, fuck off. I'm so sick of this. It's just, I'm going to have to have another operation. It's more time off work. I'm only employed casually. This is when I'd first moved up here. And I just, just the stress of like the the domino effect of everything of finding all of this stuff out is it just sucks. And
0: your one and only final wild card had to be played and you didn't have the option to yeah. play it. It was no. just necessary.
2: Yeah. Look, I'm sure if push came to shove and I was really like fighting for another operation, they would do it, but they would strongly suggest that I wait until I'm ready to have kids for them to go in, have a clean out and then try for kids.
1: And have you ever like when you were in that relationship or even when you're not, like have you felt pressure to like Mm. have kids before you're ready? Like because, you know, I don't know if that's due to worry of fertility issues or just to try and try a different solution, which just... It just seems so ridiculous to me that a child is a solution. I get it. If you yeah. want kids, fantastic. But it's just like. Yeah. And yeah. it's not
2: even guaranteed that it gets rid of it. Yeah. You know, that that's an old thing. They say, like, if you have babies, it'll get rid of it. But I know some women who still struggle during their pregnancy yeah. with pain. Because for me, what, when my specialist said that to me about um, not having another operation, he's like, when you fall pregnant, you're stretching. So that scar tissue that we've created from your surgeries is going to stretch and it might snap and it might be painful. And I'm like, Oh my God, what a catch 22. You're cutting me open to remove scar tissue to help with pain, to help with pain, remove the pain. And then you're also creating a different type of scar tissue on the surface. So to answer your question, having kids has always been on my mind and it it's always on the back of my mind for every life decision that I make. I'm like, if I move to Byron Bay, you know, this is the plan. I've always had to plan things out in case, you know, I do want to have kids or I've got to have them by this time. And as I've gotten a little bit older now, I'm just sort of saying to myself, you know what? I'll cross the bridge when I get to it. Yeah. I'll figure it out. My specialist said to me that I should be trying to have kids before I'm 30 or just as I'm turning 30. But I'm twenty-nine this year and Wow, so you've got
0: twelve months to really just hunt yeah. down that gotta that, that guy down. Yeah.
2: <laughs> good luck to me. I'm very good at picking them. <laughs>
1: no comment.
0: You don't have to keep him.
2: No, don't no, I'm
1: no I but mean that's so stressful. Like as if women don't already feel like they've got that looming 30, you oh. know, ticking clock hanging over their head. Like it's just another layer of that. Yeah. That crap. I know, it's full on. Have you found that like planning out your month helps at all? Like being aware of your your good, I was going to say good weeks, but I guess as you say it's like good week.
2: I feel like I'm the most stubborn person in the world and I have constantly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I have constantly dug my heels in with this condition in the sense that I'm like I will not surrender to this thing controlling my body. So, I just sort of go about my day and every day is really different now that I've I've had another like a stressful couple of months. It's definitely back. My ovulation hurts and I'm having really horrible weeks and my periods are just different. They've just changed and they're a lot more painful than what they used to be. So, I'm just day by day can't be bothered planning I'm just like every month is different whether I'm stressed or not I don't know and do you have Mm. any
0: words of advice or types of management that you have tried that you would recommend not saying that you should recommend Mm. but what would you say to women that are in a similar situation to yours and is there anything that's worked for you
2: Get yourself a heat pack. (laughs) That is like... Hashtag um, heat pack. Yeah. (laughs) This episode
1: is sponsored by heat heat packs.
2: packs. (laughs) You need a full blown army behind you of heat I think I've got like five at home. Just I've got one at work, one that straps around oh. me. It's got like a Velcro strap. My best friend got it for me for my birthday. That is and so cool. a different cool. type of strap on. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably my favourite type <laughs> yeah, of strap on. <laughs> Let's
1: be honest, all of ours. <laughs> on. I don't even have to deal with it no. knowing uh, that would be my favourite strap on. That's exactly <laughs> right.
2: But fetal position is also a really good one <laughs> if you're ever really in strife. But, I mean, everyone's really different in how they manage their symptoms. For me, Chinese medicine has always been amazing. Find yourself a good Chinese medicine doctor and also a naturopath that um, can help you through everything. Um, Acupuncture was the best thing that has ever happened for me, but it comes down to the cost. It's not sustainable. It's really tough. So I haven't had it for a long time because – you know, I'm a social butterfly. I want to go out and I want to live a life. I'm 28. There's only so much I can do. And I'm assuming a specialist would be very Mm. costly. Yeah, they are. And the thing is, after every surgery I've had, no one gives you a management plan. They're just like, we've done the surgery. Hopefully we'll see you never, you know, nothing is ever given. It's wild. There's such a gap in the system, but- yeah. All in all, I think the condition itself mentally for women is so isolating. You feel so alone. No one can help you. You're kind of on your own managing your own pain. Yeah. Like my last flare up, I, cause it was back. Cause I'd been so good for so long. I was so depressed. Yeah. I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to talk to anyone. So, isolated just never felt so low and everyone's just like oh that sucks you know but they don't know what to say and you can't expect anyone to know what to say either it's just you have this thing in your body you have no control over it it can flare up at any time it comes,
1: well it comes around at least every month yeah if not more
2: yeah and that's just with your period that's yeah. not just with a flare up yeah. of your endometriosis of just because it fucking wants to
1: wow you but know. i can imagine even even if it was just your period like i can imagine if i was going through it the couple of days before i knew i was getting my period i would be so anxious in mm-hmm. anticipation of what it's going to be yeah
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's so true it's full on
1: it so sucks. if anyone out there you know has a partner or a loved one who goes through this like what are ways that they can help or help their loved one not feel so isolated? Obviously you can't necessarily take the pain away or whatever the symptoms are, you know, they Mm. can be so varied, but how can they at least help with the isolation?
2: Well, there's, I mean, me personally, my partners that I have had, they've been really supportive. Um, They've always, you know, got my heat packs and taken care of me and done all of that. But there's um, a book that I've been reading that a lovely lady from the book room in Byron gave me because she knew I had endometriosis So nice. Um, it's called How to Endo. And I just found that it's a bit of a beginner's guide, not so much a beginner's guide. She goes quite in depth about everything. It's by Bridget Huthwaite She goes in depth about what endometriosis is, how to manage it, what you need to know. You know, it's amazing. I love it so much. And I think every boyfriend, partner, mm. girlfriend, you know, colleague, employer, anyone would need to read this if you know someone that's struggling with endometriosis and it will give you a better understanding of what you need to do. It's like a Bible. It's really, really good. Can't recommend it enough. Which really
1: I don't know anyone out there who doesn't know someone that has it.
2: With it. Well, it's one in nine women now I think, yeah.
0: Well, Maggie, thank you so much for coming on the potty today and sharing your story. I think that it would have resonated with a lot of other women, and
1: we love you.
2: Thanks, guys. You're thank welcome. You. I'll be back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, because we promised you two for the price of one, or this is free, so it's <laughs> two for the price of none. Mm. We've got Haley up next, who's going to tell her story once again. This is her own personal story, and we hope you enjoy. Enjoy. Hello Haley, and welcome to the podcast today for those who
3: don't know you. Can you tell our lovely listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay, well I am 29. I live on the Gold Coast in Australia. I have been working as a photographer, content creator, I mean influencer on social media for full-time for about four years now and I do a lot of travel content. That's usually my niche, but I actually am on the podcast today to talk about something more personal, something that I've been struggling with for Many, many years. Yeah. So,
1: well, we're stoked to get you in one place because I feel like since borders <laughs> have opened, et cetera, you've been gallivanting around, which is so incredible to watch. But yes. we've managed to get you in the same room, which is I know. amazing. That's great. Um, and yeah, I've personally been really not that endometriosis is something I have struggled with, it's something that I've personally been really inspired by the way that you've shared your story on social media. I mean, I know. it it must be hard, like it must be something that's so hard to number one go through and then number two to share so openly with such a big platform, especially when your platform probably is often following for something so different. Mm -hmm. So thank you, I'm sure, on behalf of so many women who are going through this.
3: Thank you. Yeah, it can be hard to open up about it because, I mean, it's so different to what I usually share on social media, but I have found it really rewarding and it's definitely helped my journey being able to communicate and engage with other women who are going through the same thing. So, yeah.
0: Well, let's get stuck in. Can you tell us a little bit about when you first got your period and have your periods always been an issue for you? Like when did they start to cause you more grief than the
3: the norm? Yeah, I actually can't remember how young I was when I had my period. I'm pretty sure I was young, maybe it's 15, like the usual age you get. Your I feel like it's getting <laughs> younger and younger as time I goes on. I just yeah. can't really remember when I actually got it. But I remember being in probably year nine when I was getting really bad period pain. And I remember it really bad because I would have to go to the you know the sick bay mm. school. And I just was in so much pain. I was just pacing up and down the office at the school. And this one time I remember it was funny because my mum was actually going into labour the day that I needed to get picked up because I was in the worst period pain and she was in labour but she was rubbing my back because I was in so much pain so it was really interesting but I remember it being really bad at that age and then yeah I kind of just always thought it was normal you never thought that you're like oh yeah period pain it's bad but yeah it was really bad.
1: Did your mum have endo at all?
3: No she doesn't no. Okay. But my sister has endo. I was
1: gonna say you've got like a million sisters. Yeah, you no, did one of the how many is there four of you? There's is that four? right? Um, yeah.
3: my older sister has endo. Yeah. Yeah. And so do I. So
1: And so like when you first got your period and it was really bad, like having to be picked up from school is not, I guess, a normal thing. Yeah. Being fifteen, you probably had other friends around you who already were getting their period. Like, did you look at them and go? Oh, how come they're not having to go
3: home or? What I think was that so. Like? I just remember thinking that this was unfair yeah. <laughs> that I had to struggle this bad and was in so much pain, and that I don't know. I, I feel like you weren't. It was never really welcome to talk about it that much back then either. You just kind of had to suffer in silence. And do you reckon people were like, oh, well, it's just your pain tolerance obviously yeah. isn't as as good as
0: my pain tolerance, yeah. so we all get periods, so get over it, you know, like we just have to
3: take what we take and, and move on. Exactly. It's, that's what it was like, basically, I think. I just was like, oh, well, like I just have it worse than my friends and... Yeah, I,
1: I feel that's. like nowadays it's more spoken about that like period pain is common but it's not normal but I remember back in the day just thinking like I'm the lucky one because I only get cramping if you have period pain like you do just have to suck it up because that's just part of being a, being woman. a girl mm-hmm. moving into being a woman that's just it, how yeah. it is
3: yeah and I think I had my sister as well who had really bad period pain growing up so we were kind of in it together and we suffered really bad, but you just think that's just how it is. And there was no like cause behind it. It just, you just had to live through it and toughen up a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. And as you got older, did the pain get worse?
3: I remember it getting really bad because I had my first operation, but not for endometriosis. So I think in 2014 or 2013 or 14, I must have been having bad pain. I just, like, for some reason I just, like, can't remember a lot about, like, that far back then, but I must have been suffering because I went to the doctor's heaps and I ended up getting an ultrasound. Um, How old was I then? I must have been 22, 23, and then they were like, oh, wow, there's, like, a giant cyst on your ovaries. It's the size of the tennis ball. You need surgery, like, now, and I was like, oh, Okay and then that happened and luckily my dad still had us on his health insurance so I went straight into surgery then but that wasn't even for endometriosis because I had the giant cyst that was yeah. found on my ovaries yeah and then that's when I found out I had endo so I was actually I was actually diagnosed with endo Really early on, which is I'm um, grateful for because a lot of people go undiagnosed yeah. for so long. because some people like they'll have a laparoscopy for
1: like a completely unrelated reason and mm-hmm. go in there, and there's like endometriosis everywhere. Yeah, that's what or to people have like really severe symptoms and they go in and there's just like a spot here yeah. or there.
0: I just had no idea like the complexity of what it does inside you because I just assumed that before like knowing this that it was like just ultra bad period pain and I think a lot of other women and men who don't understand it just assume it's really bad period pain not that it's something that is actually growing on different areas it's
3: so much more than bad period pain I I can you explain your symptoms most commonly it's around your monthly cycle but I suffered whenever when like literally any day it could happen any day I could flare up any day and it wasn't around my period I actually found that having my period was the period pain for me was more manageable because I knew when it was coming because mm. I track my period and I knew when it's coming. So I, you know, prepare myself and I know to like be just like resting those days and, you know, taking care of my body. But
1: it's almost it's like the you're, once, you mentally have yeah, your excuse, ready. not
3: that you should need yeah. it, but it's like mentally yeah. like, Oh,
1: I'm allowed to rest. Now. Yeah. And I know yeah. what's
3: coming. I know I'm going to be in pain, but it's the times for me that it would just come out of nowhere and the pain just it got really bad the last 2 years like so so debilitating that like it, i the mobility i think the where i suffered the most is yes i get bad period pain but i was constantly getting really bad pain in my hips basically like it, i just felt almost from my like waist down that i was like a 90 year old woman because it was just i felt so immobile in my hips and it the pain would go all the way down to my legs into my knees And it was always on my right side, so it was like a lot of people describe their pain differently. But for me, it was kind of like a knife, like being stabbed in the stomach, pain, or there was just like a dagger, just like stuck, like kind of in in my hips and stuff. And it was like almost like nerve pain as well. And like women describe it some pretty graphic ways. People say like some people feel like sometimes I do feel like there's my insides are burning. Like it literally feels like your insides are on fire and, yeah, it's it's really crap. Um, how, how do you manage the pain? What do you do? I have done a lot of <laughs> trial and error for pain but I found what really helped is definitely diet but that is hard because you just have to cut out, avoid sugars and gluten and dairy. Well, for me, and that is recommended for women with endo, just right. like an anti-inflammatory diet. And, obviously, alcohol is really bad for it, caffeine really bad. All the fun stuff. When, when, when is alcohol ever recommended seriously? Exactly. They're like, oh, you like, doing that? You I can't I like think
0: that's that.
1: dangerous too because then, like, obviously if it's helping, like, you're going to do anything that you can help. But then, obviously, when you do have a night where you want to drink and then, like, the next day if you're mm-hmm. feeling even shitter, then I imagine, like, mm-hmm. guilt comes into play. Lots of guilt, and-
3: yeah. Lots of guilt, yeah, that's true. Apart from diet, I... Found actually pelvic physio was really mm. helpful. Actually, first time I saw a pelvic physio, I was just like, this is a waste of money, waste of time. But then I also saw another woman and she was amazing. Um, I also used to get acupuncture a lot. I also, they're called, I forget what the machine's called, but it's the little pads that you it's put like on TENS your, the tens machine. tens machine. Yeah. I would do tens machine and I would do lots of breathing exercises and, I stopped exercising because high intensity workouts were just the worst for me. They would trigger and make me flare up a lot. So I just ended up even going for walks was like painful. I couldn't, I just stopped exercising completely because I was just too scared of being in pain because everything caused me pain. Standing up for too long causes me pain. Sitting down for too long caused me pain. I couldn't drive for too long because I would end up in pain. Like it was just like everything was just I was so afraid to literally live and do anything because I would just end up in pain. But, yeah, I guess every woman suffers differently. Some women just only suffer on their period and then some people suffer all the time, you know.
0: And can you get a surgery that completely gets rid of endo or is it something that continuously grows
3: back? There's actually not a cure um, that I know of. You can get a laparoscopy which removes the endometriosis but it can grow back and some women it can grow back really quickly. My sister's has grown back in a year. She had a surgery a year ago and it's grown back. She has to to go in for another operation. As Um, in like her
1: symptoms are like mm, debilitating again.
3: So her endometriosis is like she gets lots of of cysts. She's got a really big cyst in there at the moment which is causing her a lot of grief. So... A lot of doctors say that having children can cure it, but that's also it can, but it also doesn't cure it. <laughs> so there's actually not really any type of cure up. So the even if it is a cure, it's not very simple. No, <laughs> no. yeah, that's not as smooth as like <laughs> and, 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 and <laughs> women who have endo know what it's like just to be told to have children. That's just what we're told all the time to yeah. have a kid. I, I was told that at 23 when I first had my surgery which is have a baby and I was like I don't even know what endometriosis is why am I having a baby like what yeah. are you talking about it's just like yeah my first operation was not for endometriosis but he found it and he actually removed it and then he told me afterwards but he basically was like the doctor was just like oh by the way you have this thing called endometriosis um you might want to get checked up in a couple of years but yeah that's it that's all he said and I was like, okay, I just went on my way and I was fine for years. And then, Did he hand you a pamphlet at least? No, I don't think he did anything. Like there was, I think back and it makes me so upset that I'm like going through what I've been through and he just was just like, oh, uh, like shrugged it off. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I was young and I was like, I don't know what this is. Like I'm just going to go on and, you know, live my life. And then I think it was like four or five years later I was like, oh, I'm like really struggling. I think there's this is thing called endometriosis. And then I started doing my own research, which I've done over the couple of years, which is crazy that I was just not, you know, given more support in that moment because after everything I make, like, this is, it's so serious and it causes so and much so pain. Common, it's but so, so common. Yeah. But he actually, um, there's two ways to remove endo and one is like the golden, way to do it so for all the women who are out there listening and they're wondering what they should ask their doctor or like what is important to ask when you're having your operation is the you should always get it excised so excision over ablation so excision is the removal of like they will cut it out basically cut it out from the root and ablation is they'll burn it and it would just won't get down to the root or kind of just take off yeah, a bit right. of the top but not really get mm. into it and this is why a lot of women get ablations because i don't think there's too much funding behind endo f- to actually like train people up to be excision surgeons for endometriosis so you should find a surgeon where where you live sometimes it's tricky to find one that does perform excision but in australia there's a lot um, so that's really important to find a surgeon who perform excision over ablation
1: so your first one was an ablation? Yep. And how long do you feel like that helped with symptoms for?
3: It's hard to tell because I wasn't really looking out for it because mm. I just wasn't really like, you know, told about it or you kind of just, you know, set me on my way and didn't take, didn't say it was like a serious thing or, you know, to seek further support. But I'm pretty sure that I remember I was pain-free three years after my ablation. Oh, wow. So that's pretty good. And a lot of women that have spoken to me since the my second operation have said that theirs grows back really quickly, and some women have hasn't grown back at all. So it's like you just, lucky dip, like, yeah, it is yeah. A lucky
1: dip. And then, so tell us about kind of the lead up to your second operation. I feel like that's when you became quite like public yeah. in saying what your symptoms are like. You know, you were saying that you were acting like in a mobile 90 year old woman like you stopped living so like what was the process like to then get another operation like do you have to
3: wait a long time so when I knew that it was like pretty bad again that's when I started doing a lot of my own research and reading a lot of books and just kind of learning about it more myself which was amazing there's actually a book that I really recommend If you don't know much about it to start on, it's called How To Endo by Bridget Hustwait. I think that's how you say her name. But that was like, this is like the Bible for endometriosis. It's so helpful. And she helped me so much to figure out what steps to take for, you know, how to get better or treat it. And I think that's the stage where I went and found a, I went to the doctor and said, I want to go see like a gynecologist. Can you recommend one? And then I decided to go private. And I've been seeing her, I think I started seeing her for six months before I was like, I want to have the operation again. I'm pretty sure that's what I've decided. I want to have the operation again because I, I tried everything. I like, I, I went down every path, the diet path. I went down the naturopath path. I did. Acupuncture, physio, like everything you can think of, I was doing to try and. What about? Did you try any hormonal contraception? I had. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into that.
1: (laughs) Oh, let's open that can of worms. Um,
3: So before my operation, she said you should try the Marina IUD. I was like, okay, let's try. I've never really enjoyed being on the pill. It's always affected by mental health, and it's just been a bit of a struggle always being on contraception. So I was like, okay, I'm a bit nervous to try it, but I'm willing to try it. And it actually, from a lot of women I spoke to before getting it, it has helped them a lot with endometriosis. So it is recommended and it can help. Unfortunately, it didn't help me. It was probably, it made my symptoms twice or three times as worse as before. It was like the most painful thing I've ever, ever been through. I was on heavy painkillers every day for like six months. And the pain was so bad that I was just like passing out and it was really horrible. And then it started affecting my mental health really, really, really bad. Like I was getting really depressed and I wasn't myself. And I felt with probably one of the toughest phase of this endo journey was trying the IUD Marina. So I, I get a bit nervous talking about my experience because I don't want to scare women off because I'm not saying that you shouldn't try it. Because yeah. My sister's about to try it actually. And I'm like, it could work for you yeah. as a thing. So this is just my experience and it could be completely different to you so it's definitely worth trying if you want to go down that path. But for me it just didn't work unfortunately so I had to get it removed. I got like so depressed on it which is, which is scary and I was just you know, in a lot of pain all the time, all the time.
0: When did you decide six months to pull I think I had it out? Like seven How months.
3: did you put up with it for that long? I think I was like, yeah, I hoped it was going to get better. And I think my dog was like, just give it some time. And I was like, okay, but I'm really struggling. Like this has made it worse than before. And I was like, maybe you'll just get better, just a couple of months. And then I think it was one night that I I suffer really bad anxiety and I haven't had anxiety for a long time until there's one night. It just like got to me so much feeling depressed and anxious that, I was just in a really bad way, yeah. and I was like, I need to take this out. And I went to her, I was like, I just need to take it. I need you to take it out. It's yeah. just not working. So that sucked because that was another dead end. And I really hoped that was gonna help because <laughs> yeah. she, my doc, my surgeon was saying that I don't want you to have the surgery until you're ready to have a baby because that's the best time to try after having your laparoscopy is to have a try for a baby then because you're gonna have more of a chance. Um, but I'm not ready to have children anytime soon, so I was like. It's fine. I can't just put up. Yeah. With this. No, it's fine. yeah. Let's do it. So then I we wanted to go through private. And to that, I had to go on health, a private health insurance for 12 months before I could actually go and have my surgery. So I went and waited 12 months on my private health. And then I had my surgery in April. And since then, my life has been completely different. Like I can't explain how different it's been. It's no. been crazy. I know. I feel like a completely new person. It's really exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, I went in, had laparosc- my laparoscopy, and she did, I think, at last, first one I had three incisions. This time it was four. My first operation, the, the recovery was traumatic. Like wow. I think because they had to remove my cyst hole, mm. so they had to remove it the size of a tennis ball out hole, so my sure. scar was huge down near my pubic area. And I was so terrified of my second operation from the first, Mm. thinking, is this what my recovery is going to be like? But my recovery was so easy, like so easy. I was just up and walking like the next day. Like I was fine. It was honestly amazing. I think back and I just like I want to relive it because it was such an exciting thing for me being like this is going to be like I have a whole new like life again like I just like though I don't I think I've ever quitting. heard anyone say I wish I could relive my surgery again <laughs> yeah, know, but like that obviously that so goes good. to
1: show what the state you were in before yeah, I was
3: just so excited and so happy I was like crying happy tears when I came out because I was like I if this is gonna change from how I've been like it was you know, unlivable almost to go through it, how I had it. So I was just like such an emotional wreck and so happy and so excited. And since then it's been amazing. I've been able to stand for long periods without being in pain. My first period, I had no pain, like zero. My second period, I just had to take some Panadol, my therapy, just some Panadol and that's it. Yes, and, that does, girl. and I've just been like, whoa, I can go on with my day and it's all good. Like, is this how people without endo hats, is this what their periods are like? Because it's just like, Wow. I was not living what, before. What
1: was it like when you were waiting for that first period though?
3: Was I, that stressful? No, I don't think so. I oh. was stressed. I was like I wanted to know what was what it was going to be like. And I was like this can't be real. This can't be my period. There's no pain. This can't be it. This is not real. <laughs> but now since seeing my I actually go back. My operation, I recovered probably within 7 days i swear you
1: were overseas i was
3: overseas like two weeks after yeah (laughs) yeah i was overseas fine like completely fine and my uh, my little incisions have healed and it was just the dream recovery honestly it was amazing so i'm just like it was just just a great result all around so now is the task of what i will do to i don't know because when you come out of surgery they usually say so are you gonna go on contraception You're gonna try for a baby. One thing my doctor asked me when she came in, I was still like drugged up and she's like, So you're gonna try for a baby? I was like, Really? right now you're asking me this right now i was like no i'm not ready yet i swear that's
1: like though when you go for your six-week checkup after having a baby and one of the first questions i ask you is okay so what contraception are you going to use and you're like um, this baby <laughs> fucking baby <laughs> like, and i know why they have to ask but it's similar like you're like that's the furthest thing from my, mm-hmm. my mind you were probably like i have this new lease on my life I'm fuck like- <laughs> no am i gonna throw a baby
3: on this true <laughs> So uh, I think I'm in a tricky position now because I know that I don't like going on the pill and I've been tossing up whether to go on the pill to stop because going on the pill can stump the growth. Like it doesn't stop your endometriosis. It doesn't, I mean, it just like, yeah, yeah. it just delays the growth. Ah, okay. Yeah. So having a period like when your egg releases and you bleed, that's when the growth kind of forms. So if you go on contraception and you skip your periods then you're kind of prolonging your growth of your endometriosis to come back but i just don't really like being on the pill i'm sure a lot of women feel the same um but i also i've been tossing up i don't i was so like i don't want to go back on the pill and then the last week i've just been like i've had a few moments of feeling like a little bit of the pain that i was before my surgery like just little blips of it and I'm just like, oh, no, I am i can't do this. I can't go Give back me the to, pill. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I will go on the pill. I can't go back to what I was. I can't.
1: I mean, I guess you could, you know, I'm not your doctor. <laughs> you could give it a go and, like, know that, like, oh, I didn't, the IUD did not work for me. Like, maybe, you know, yeah. you maybe sooner on you would kind of know, like. I want to give it a go. Yeah.
3: I'm going to give it a go because a lot of people like treating it, like, in the natural way, which I have spent a lot of time doing and I think that it can work that way as well but I'm just terrified of going back to what I was that I'm just like if my doctor says that this will stop the growth then you should go on the pill and my sister even she didn't go on the pill after her surgery and she went back to her surgeon and he was like this is what happens when he's like you didn't do anything to help or prevent she's like nope and he's like just shaking her head at her and I'm like It's just hard, I guess, because it's just a tricky thing to treat and it's time consuming. And I guess,
1: like, the pill and that kind of thing nowadays, like whether it's granted or not, everyone can make up their own decision, gets a lot of bad press nowadays. So if you're already, I guess, dealing with all the shit that comes with endometriosis, you're then like, do I then also want to potentially put my
3: body through what the pill may exactly. or may not do yep. to me. So it's just shit that the trade-off, it's like, oh, if you want to not have be in pain from endo, well here's a pill that's probably gonna affect your mental health. But like, like this is the this is the only way. Like I'm just like this is a shit trade-off. Mm. But it yeah, it just sucks. Like, or have cat, a baby. Or have a baby. But There's it doesn't stop options. it either. But the thing that I find it. so hard with the baby
1: thing is I feel like endometriosis can lead to fertility issues. So then, you know, you're probably being told at 23, or you weren't even really told because you weren't fucking told anything. But like (laughs) probably at 23, I guess the subtext or whatever was like, oh, if you wait too long, it might be hard to have children. And if you have a baby now, it's going to help with symptoms. And you're like, but I don't want a baby now, but like maybe I want one in the future. But then maybe when I decide I want one, I can't. And it's like a baby is not just trying the pill or just trying an IUD even though that was an absolute head fuck like you can't just be like oh well I'll just give a baby a go and see if it
3: works exactly I'm just like that's not a good enough reason for me to have a baby how do you know If you've got endo, I mean
0: the only way you found out was because someone literally went inside, that's coming out wrong, (laughs) a doctor opened you up and found endo. So if you are a teenage girl or you've just got severe period pain, how on earth do you find out that you have it other than surgery?
3: It's so hard to get a diagnosis. It's like you can't really see it through like an ultrasound and you can't see it through. Some people get all different scans, but you can only really tell through a laparoscopy. To actually be treated and say, yes, you have endometriosis usually comes from going, you know, having a laposcopy, lap- laparoscopy. <laughs> that, that word's hard. <laughs> <laughs> you said it though. Having a laparoscopy is usually how you women get diagnosed and women go like nine years on average with yeah. being undiagnosed. And I still get messages from women today saying like that they're getting dismissed from their doctors about their pain. And it makes me so upset. I'm like, what? No, like so many women are going undiagnosed for so long and they're being like invalidated, their pain's being invalidated and they're not taking seriously. And it's just so heartbreaking. And Like, in a sense, I feel so lucky that I was diagnosed so early on. Otherwise, I would have been in the same boat. And not having an answer for your pain is probably, like, it's just just so hard to, like, feel like you're suffering so bad but you don't have an answer for it and people just won't understand. And it's, like, yeah, I I feel really sorry for the women who go so long undiagnosed and go so long without, you know, being taken seriously because – it's really hard to get diagnosed.
0: It blows my mind. There's a lot of things blowing my mind about women at the moment, but this is blowing my mind that you have a lot of women. What is the statistics that it's people have been 1 in 10, know? isn't it?
3: 1 in 9. One in that nine. know that they have it or are literally? Probably know they
1: have
0: it.
3: Like no, let's be they serious. They're so probably 1 in 4. You can, <laughs> you can, Seriously. You can get diagnosed, I guess, but... I think it's so hard to get diagnosed because they can't pinpoint, yes, you have endo because they're not, unless they physically go inside and see, but you can just say, this is my symptoms. This is what I'm suffering with. I've heard about endometriosis. I've looked up the symptoms. I've done my research. This is what I think I have. Can you help me out? Like you just have to go in and say, this is what I think. I've done my research. I.
0: Go and do this. Try this. Try this. Try that. Once you've tried all that, then we will try and give you surgery. That may or may not work for x amount of time. We don't know. <laughs> Come back, and people and um, have another in the surgery after that. That. they
3: can wait like this is, years. This is for their this surgery. is endometriosis. This is why That's it's ridiculous. So shit, it is so shit. And I
1: think also because so the shit. symptoms are so varied. Like you know, as someone wrote in, being like the media always says like endometriosis is having painful sex but it's like it's so that's, one oh, that's of my other question so one it is of them. and it's like but if you've got like endometriosis on your bowel it could be like oh you're constipated or you've got diarrhea while you uh, have your cycle or you know if it's on your bladder you could get like really frequent utis like it's just like so varied on where mm-hmm. it ends up so how is sex with endo
3: yeah painful it, and it, it's funny because like Kyle can actually feel it. My partner, Kyle, when we have sex, he can tell like sometimes, like I was constantly in pain, constantly had issues, was always sore. And then we, when we'd have sex and I wasn't flaring up, it'd be fine. But sometimes I would be feel a bit sore and he was like, Oh, I can feel it. He's like, it's pressure on his, like the top of his dick it's like pressure there and he can feel the like that it's been that it's flaring up it's crazy is he that like, is
1: hectic yeah wow. he can fully
3: he could fully feel so that. when
1: you said she needed someone to go inside her you weren't wrong <laughs> <the man>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wow. and then so can he
1: feel a difference since you've had your surgery
3: yeah so i'm not really i don't have pain during sex much like i still feel like it's, it's a little bit of discomfort because when I had my second surgery, she said that I had a lot of scar tissue in there and I think some of it was caused from my first mm. operation, which was the ablation. So I was had a lot of scar tissue and she said that would have caused you a lot of pain as well. And she also said my bowels were attached to my tube. Well, this is actually what I haven't gone into about what they found with um, what was inside. So I had endometriosis a lot on my right side, which I had all my pain, which yeah. I kind of knew. I was like, I suffer on my right side the most. Um, and she said, most of it's on the right side. Your right tube was blocked, which it'll probably become become blocked again. And your bowels were attached to your tube. And um, I had a lot of scar tissue, endo. She unblocked the tube. She separated the bowels. She removed the endo, removed the scar tissue. But she did say, "I am a really high chance of having e- 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 a <laughs> ectopic ectopic <laughs> ectopic pregnancy." She said right. to be really weird because with there's that. scar tissue near that. No, because tube. my tubes blocked. Yeah. on this so it'll it'll oh stop it and it'll God. grow inside the tube and she said you have to be really careful when you're trying for a baby and you have to how are you, you going to be
0: careful to- what you're going to just make sure that the egg goes down the other no yeah tube? we
3: just have she's like when when you're trying for a baby you just have to come see me all the time because i'll we'll have to check up because there's the high risk of you having a topic pregnancy so like, were you having a, were you having <laughs> a lot
1: of bowel symptoms
3: i feel like everyone who i don't know if even if it's not even an endo thing but when you, it's painful. Everyone has period poos. Everyone has period <laughs> poos and they're painful, right? Constipated, right? No, no mine, mine's, mine's not like runny constipated. Mine's and it's like hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I mine's, my yeah, mine's runny. I, I'm like on the toilet. I like don't live talk like an hour because it's just like the pain and it's just like everything, it's just.
1: I don't feel pain, but I have very specific period poos where it's like it kind of feels like
3: gastro-y poos, but you have no other symptoms of gastro. And actually women with endo know the feeling of we call it knife butt. So it feels like a knife is being ran up your butt. like When you need a go. knife. No, just anytime, randomly. Oh, my God, you literally like a knife No way. Just, yeah, knife butt. It's really good. Love it.
1: Fuck, it <laughs> sounds like the worst. Yeah. Because it is such a like internal, you can't see it. If if anyone has loved ones going through this or even if they're going through it themselves, like how can people ask for help? Like what are things that other people can do that are actually
3: helpful? Having endo feels really lonely. Like you feel lonely in it. I know there's. I speak to a lot of women online, which is great, and I have a lot of support, but it does feel lonely because it is like an invisible disease. Like no one really understands the pain because they can't physically see it. And, yeah, it just feels really, sometimes I feel really isolated and really alone. So for a loved one just to understand what someone's going through, if they have endometriosis, if your partner has endometriosis, the best thing is to just be understanding and understand they're going to have bad days, like a lot of bad days. And that you just, like, let them take it slow and say so that you're, you're there for them and I think that's the best thing. I think I just wanted to be understood the most. I wanted people to feel like they didn't feel annoyed at the fact that I was always sick because I feel yeah. like I was just always sick that people would just say, like, okay, yeah, right, here we go again. <laughs> like. Yeah. I I'm sorry. Like sometimes I feel bad for my partner because I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm just unwell all the time and it must be frustrating to date someone who is unwell all the time, but he is really supportive and if you don't have it, it's hard to understand. But I just feel like, yeah, just be loving and caring and understanding and don't make them feel alone in it and just allow them to take the time to, you know, have a bad day, like let them have a bad day because it is tough to go through.
0: And in a bad day, what is your typical bad day? Like do heat packs help? Do you lay down into a little ball? Like what? what's your, not obviously you're in the clear at the moment, but what is your
3: typical terrible down day? Heat packs are a godsend, definitely. I actually, I was prescribed something from my doctor that has helped me so much. And I don't know why women are prescribed this more often, but when I tried it, I was like, what is this a magical <laughs> drug that so it's called Voltaren 100 and you can get it prescribed from your doctor. The catch is you have to insert it up your bum. Okay. So, so this is a positive
1: yeah. Yes.
3: And it is, it was just, it's amazing. Like, I feel like it just loosens your tummy up and you could just go by day normally. But I mean, like, I guess having a down day too is it just it really can affect your mental health and it really can make you feel so down and out about it. And you just feel defeated. So I guess I just, my bad days are just not wanting to do anything, talk to anyone, wanting to lay in bed with a heat pack and like watch movies and, Like, but I think it's, it was really hard for me, um, because I was working a lot, traveling a Mm. lot. And when we're on a job and I, you know, I get my period, it's just like, oh, fuck, I have to get up and go. Like, I have, like, I, I, I'm here on a job. And I think there's been a couple of times where I just, like, I can't go. Like, I just can't, I have to stay in bed. I'm really sorry. You have to go on your own, Kyle. I'm sorry. But like, yeah, it's, it's hard because I guess women work full-time, a lot of women work full-time as well and taking days off. We should get days off for your period, uh, <laughs> surely, because it's so hard, especially if you have endo. Yeah, It's just like you can't to get up and go to work or get up and like women who have children and have endo growing back and have it really bad, getting up and just like being a mum or getting up and going to work. I, I am lucky enough that in my job, I can just. Some flexibility. I have flexibility and I can know when my period's coming and be like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to schedule in something. I can take time off. But women, they have to get up. They have to go. So, like, I applaud everyone who does that because it's really tough to do.
1: And if you think about it, a month comes around so quickly. Like, I feel like I eye-roll I each time I get my period because I'm like, weren't you just here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how are we here again? And, like, that's someone who experiences relatively good periods. Like, I cannot imagine how quickly that comes around for you where you're, like, fucking cool, like, yeah. bedridden.
0: Yeah. Ovulation, so because it's obviously around two weeks after your period does it ever heighten around then as well definitely
3: it's probably the worst for most women during yeah ovulation and their menstrual cycle i think my biggest tip is track your cycle yeah mm. girls track your cycle know each phase of your cycle There's what actually, do you use i use flow what do you use Flow, do I track it? No, not really.
1: I'm like, oh, I should be.
0: It feels like about 28 days. Flow is incredible. And it also comes up when you log your symptoms, it will prompt and give you explanation as to the reasons why. And if that's not it, it could be that. So I think for someone who does struggle with endo, like they would even prompt you in a position going, well, that's actually not a normal feeling to have at this time of your cycle. Perhaps you need to see a doctor.
3: Yeah, if you don't track your cycle then you got to start like right now especially if you have endometriosis because you can see when your period's coming up and you can be like i'm going Mm -hmm. to make sure that i don't have meetings that day i'm going to make sure that you know you're going to make sure that you're going to have a day where you don't plan much and don't just let it spring up on you because that's the worst and it's actually four phases of your cycle i did lots of research into this, but there's four phases of your cycle and they're so interesting to learn about. Like Even,
1: like, what kind of exercise is yep. good to do at certain yep. stages, what kind of foods you should focus on, you know, yeah, when you should go gently on yourself, when you
3: can, exactly. like, go hard. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be, like, doing high intensity around your menstrual cycle. The books I read is In the Flow, um, which is incredible. It's, like, you go, tell, explains the four cycles for women and what you should be eating and what you should be doing, like exercising and stuff during those cycles. Because if you're going and doing a HIIT class right before your period, you're just setting Mm. yourself up for failure. Like (laughs) you want to be, if you've got endo and you're doing that, it's just like that's not going to help you at all. And it even matters like what you're eating in those cycles as well. But, yeah, I find that is really important. Track your cycle. Know what, what cycles you're at. Know like the week after your menstrual cycle. Is your week where you're at your peak? You're Mm -hmm. at your prime. Mm -hmm. You're feeling your best. That's when you're going to schedule in your, you know, more more workouts. You go in and schedule in your meetings and because you're more focused then and all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for coming in and chatting to us today about something that is so personal. As we said, one in nine, if not more, women are going through this and it's starting to get talked about more but still definitely not enough. Um, I imagine it's so isolating and dark at times and we're stoked that you're feeling a lot better after your operation. We hope it stays that way. Keep us posted if you do go on the pill and how that goes for you. And, yeah, we just hope you stay symptom-free ish for as long as possible me too
3: so far so good
1: <laughs> thank
0: you thank you so much thanks for listening to this episode of beyond the bump if you enjoyed it
1: please subscribe and give us a review if you didn't good on you you can also follow us on instagram at beyond the bump to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes we'll see you next week bye-bye, bye-bye.